Congregation, please rise and lift up your hearts. We begin our worship by confessing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke 1, beginning at verse 26. And this is the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am, your serv- I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The text for this morning is Luke 1, verse 32, the Second part of the second half of verse 32 to verse 33. This is what the angel announced to Mary. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So far, the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, boys and girls too. So the angel Gabriel was sent from heaven by God with that amazing message for Mary. What an astonishing thing for her to hear, this young woman. Just a plain young woman of Nazareth engaged to be married to Joseph, a man who was a descendant of King David of old. The angel informed her that even though she was a virgin, the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and she would conceive and give birth to a baby, a very special child. He would be great and would be called the Son of God. And God would give him the throne of his father David, would succeed David as king of God's people Israel. And that announcement then was connected to a whole 
lot of Old Testament history and Old Testament promises. You see, God had established his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob and their descendants. Jacob especially, the father of the 12 patriarchs, the 12 tribes as a whole of Israel. But that relationship of God with Israel, his people was pretty difficult over the centuries. When Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land, they complained and they resisted God. And it was the same in the time of Joshua. They didn't take the whole land as they should have. Same during the time of the judges. Kept falling away. And so those, those leaders and judges and prophets were on the whole not able to keep the covenant nation close to their God. And then came the kings. King David was a man after God's heart. Sadly, he was also a, a man with big moral failures. He, he couldn't bring a la about lasting peace between God and his people. And then there was his son Solomon. The Bible tells us two main things about Solomon, by the way. He was very wise and extremely wealthy. The queen of Sheba was astonished at Solomon's wisdom and wealth. He was a king in a time of peace, but sadly, his leadership failed too when he took many foreign wives, even worshipped their gods with them. And what happened in his reign too was that the kingdom of Israel was falling apart, and it eventually was torn in two after he, he died. Ten tribes and two tribes. The ten tribes ended up being scattered. The two tribes ended up in exile. Neither prophets nor judges nor kings over the nation of Israel were able to bring about a lasting relationship of peace between God and his people. However, throughout the Old Testament history of Israel, God had promised that there would be another son of David. Think of the promise he made to David in Israel, which we sang about in Psalm 89. Stanza 2. Also mentioned, by the way, in Psalm 132. A son of David who would reign over the people of Israel. That was promised to David already. A kind of, we could think here of a kind of a second Solomon who would reconcile and unite the covenant people to the Lord God. The believers in Israel lived in anticipation of that promised king. And see, that's how it came about that in those days God announced the coming of his son as the Virgin Mary's child. And we'll think about that announcement of, the, of his birth this morning as a prelude to the remembrance of his death with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And I proclaim to you the Virgin Mary is told wonderful things about the child to be born of her. First, he will be a great king, and secondly, his kingdom will be everlasting. First of all, he would be a great king. So the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary with that amazing message from God. Mary, you will conceive a child and bear a son, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Of his father David. God is so moved with love for his people that he sends his only son into the house of David at that time which had fallen very low, 
he sent his son to reconcile his people to himself. And God's son is willing to, in love, to, to bring about that reconciliation once and for all. So willing and in love that he was willing to be born a child, a helpless child. And to grow up as a man among people in order to offer in time his body and blood for them. In order to reconcile once and for all God's people with him. That's why that message to Mary. And then you see how Christmas is a celebration of God's amazing love for his people. It's not about what so many people have made of it today. It's about the wonder of God's sending of his son as the son of David, who in love would offer his body and blood to reconcile his people to him. Think of what it must have meant for that young virgin of Nazareth engaged to the carpenter Joseph to hear that, Mary, your child is going to be king on David's throne. King of God's people. She was going to be the mother of the long-promised son of David who would be called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. That was the fulfillment of, of a prom the promise of God which believing Israelites had cherished for centuries. And that was now coming to fulfillment. And she had some sense of that if you read her song later on. And you see here what, what, what God promises happens, even if it sometimes seems totally impossible. Humanly speaking, impossible. But that's exactly why he makes those kind of promises. It's so that people live in faith. And in hope toward the fulfillment of what is promised. If they can reason it all out. Then it's not as much a matter of faith and hope. But now it is. Think of what's promised you in the Lord's Supper. With the bread and wine God says I promise to forgive all your sins. All the sins you've committed your whole life through. Through the once and for all sacrifice of my son on the cross. And I promise that my spirit will renew your heart, change your heart, and nourish and strengthen your soul so that you will live for him more and more and that you can grow in the hope of his return for you in glory. By nature, that's impossible for us. God promises that. How can we who are by nature, enemies of God be reconciled to him and look forward to living with him forever. God promises impossible things. But then he reaffirms those promises for us over and over again in his word. Every Sunday, he just pounds it into us. These are my promises and they're true. And also shows that in the sacrament, the Lord's Supper and baptism. But also today, in the Lord's Supper celebration today, so that we can continue to live in faith and hope and love toward the complete fulfillment of those promises in Jesus Christ. In congregation, when it was announced to Mary that her child would be given the throne of his father David, that said a lot about what that child would become to then. Think of David's son Solomon, who reigned over the whole people of Israel. 
the Bible tells us two main things about Solomon, his great wisdom and his great wealth. Solomon was amazingly wise. Think of how he judged between those two women who came to him with the one living and the one dead child. And he was wise in how to live out of faith rather than one's own feelings or reasonings. Look at the wisdom books he wrote, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. They, they, They explain how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of living wisely, living for God. But Jesus is much greater than Solomon, greater in wisdom. He teaches people to love and fear the Lord God. He teaches us to give up our self-righteousness and to hate unrighteousness. And he teaches that God will judge all men and that whoever embraces him in faith will have eternal life. And he shows us how he came to seek and save what is lost. And how he loves his bride, his church, with everlasting love. And that's the perfect wisdom of him who sits on David's throne. Wisdom he gives his own by his spirit and word. And Solomon was extremely wealthy, we mentioned. He acquired a fabulous amount of gold and precious stones and valuable spices and woods. It says in 1 Kings that in Solomon's days, silver was as common in Jerusalem as stone. And think of how he built the temple as well as his palace. Beautiful buildings known the world over at that time. No wonder the queen of Sheba said, behold, the half was not, to- the half was not told me. Well, Jesus is much greater than Solomon, also in in those riches, in riches, in wealth. He's rich in the true heavenly treasures and gifts, all purchased for, for his own by his death on the cross. Rich in peace with God and joy in God. Rich in the forgiveness of all our sins and in spiritual gifts rich in all the angels who joyfully obey his every command to look after his people, rich in the inheritance of all things in the new heaven and the new earth. And as king on the throne of David, he shares the riches he obtained by his victory on Golgotha with all his people. In particular, his spirit by whom he wins the hearts of his people and transforms them into people who want to love him, who desire to serve him in true repentance and faith. And he invites us to partake of his greatest gift at his table today, calls us to share in his broken body and shed blood for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. He wants to nourish us also then to eternal life. Encourage us to live for that. Congregation, we know Mary's child is the king who wants to make us wise and rich with him. He does so in the middle of a world made foolish and poor because of sin. Who is foolish today? Whoever does not acknowledge Jesus as king. Who is poor today? Whoever is guilty before God without Christ and is heir to eternal death. Embrace your king in faith, brothers and sisters. And then in the future, you can say with the Queen of Sheba, Behold, not even the half was told me. We come to the second part of the sermon. His kingdom will be everlasting. The text says two things about the kingdom of the promised king. The first is that he will reign over the house of Jacob. The Gospels tell us how he came to his own people, how he ministered among them, but also how the majority of them rejected him as their king. It was the leaders of the Jews 
themselves who had him arrested, condemned, and crucified. We have no king but Caesar, they cried. And they rejected the wisdom of David's son, which unmasked their selfish pride. And they despised the spiritual riches which he proclaimed and wanted to share with them, which exposed their greed for earthly wealth. They preferred the temporary riches of this life above the wealth of eternal peace and joy with God. So many in Israel rejected him and they had him crucified, but God raised him up and then it became clear that he truly is Lord and King. And because his own did not receive him but rejected him, the whole stream bed of, the, of God's promises, of God's covenant promises, was shifted over to the Gentiles. Also, Jesus' kingship was shifted also to the Gentiles, to people of all nations and tongues and tribes. They would become the new Israel of God. Paul writes about that in Galatians. The new Israel of God, he says to those Galatians, those, all those, those Gentile Galatians in that part of Turkey, you are the new Israel of God, the new house of Jacob, also Canadians, house of Jacob. But Old Testament Israel, with its rejection of Jesus as king, is, is a warning to us today, today then too. Because out of ourselves, we're no better than Old Testament Israelites of ourselves. By nature, we are still, even still today, inclined to despise the wisdom and the riches of King Jesus too. To follow our own reasonings and feelings instead of the wisdom of our king. And to place more value on the temporary riches of this world than on the eternal riches there are in Christ. That's how we are by nature. Our whole life long. But that's why the coming of God's son to reign on David's throne is such good news for us to hear every time again. By means of his spirit and power working through the gospel and via the sacraments. He overcomes our resistance to his wisdom and our spurning of his riches. And he brings us to love his wisdom and to desire the riches that he obtained for us by his cross. And so he draws people of all nations and tribes into the house of Jacob, the covenant people, by faith so that they confess him as their savior and king. The second thing the angel told Mary about her child was that he would reign forever and that of his kingdom there would be no end. That could not be said of David, could not be said of Solomon, David's son. Both eventually died and their reign came to an end. But of the reign of King Jesus and of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will reign over the whole house of Jacob, the church as a whole. He lives and reigns forever. And that's wonderful to think about. That he lives and reigns forever means that, that he's able to guide God's people with his wisdom and to share his riches with them throughout history and throughout their lives here on earth. Day by day, give heavenly gifts, faith, hope, love, strength to persevere, patience, humility, compassion, and desire to grow in obedience to God's will. And he pours those spiritual gifts on his church via word and sacrament. Nourishes us with his body and blood in this life until we too receive eternal life. And he can reign over us forever. And as eternal king with an everlasting kingdom, he will make sure that his church is protected. So that even if kings and princes here on earth 
oppress his people and try to wipe his church off the face of this planet, they will not succeed. He is a king who cannot be without subjects. Jesus will be king throughout your life and my life and throughout the lives of those who follow us to the end of the world. He is king. And that gives so much comfort and peace, doesn't it? Also today, during the pandemic, he's king and he takes care of his people. He blesses, takes care of you till death and even right through death so that even death can you not, cannot separate you from his love and his power. And on a certain day, it'll become manifest to the whole world that Mary's child is the everlasting king and that of his kingdom, there is no end. He has promised that he will return in glory on the clouds of heaven and he'll throw all those who rejected him, who rejected his wisdom and despised his riches into everlasting darkness. Never will Satan and all who belong to his kingdom ever be able to disturb the peace and joy of God's people again. And it'll be an eternal feast of union and communion between King Jesus and his people. And we'll praise God for giving us such an awesome king. Oh, that you gave us such a king who is so full of love and wisdom and so overflowing with eternal riches. How you loved us with your electing love, O oh God, that you sent your son so that he would be over us, king over us forever. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.